Welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Angel Deer is a medicine man and offers his work on sacred land through shamanic healing, energy healing, sound healing, breath work, plant medicine, and workshops and events. The Sanctuary is a community for all those who seek healing transformation, ancient wisdom, and a place to come together to create a new way of living and relating. This is the Sanctuary Podcast, and this is Angel Deer. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Awakening, Sacred Sacraments and Expanded States of Consciousness as a Path to Enlightenment and Unity. I'm one of your hostesses, Megan Camille, and it's my pleasure to introduce you to our guest today, Angel Deer. Welcome, Angel. Hello. Good to be here with you, Megan. We are so excited to have you on Awakening. And for those of you who aren't familiar, Angel is a mystic, medicine man, permaculturist, beekeeper, international speaker, and lover of forms of life, of all forms of life. He has dedicated his life to remember, learn, and teach ancient wisdom through the lineages of Andean cosmology and Norse shamanism. His passion is to weave words and stories, people and places, darkness and light, wounds and love, ancient and modern times. Deeply committed to the healing of this world, he is heartbrokenly inspired by our shared humanity. He likes to dwell in the adventurous space of not knowing, learning from his elders, and the mystery and magic of creation, and the never-ending inquiry into a spiritual way of life. He is often found on the land of the sanctuary in awe of the connections of life, tending to the trees and animals, and praying for a world where relationships, community, and deep care for life is a reality. And I think so many of our listeners and myself included can really resonate with that powerful bio of of really imagining a a new earth where there is just love. So we can, I'm so excited to dive into conversation with you, but before we get way into it, please share with us from your own words, what got you started on such a, a profound spiritual journey? I guess, um, you know, it was my own questions and my own pain, my own suffering, right? Mm. I was uh, in a career, corporate career, um, I guess, like many of us are often into uh, climbing the ladder, uh, being quite successful at it, uh, but really questioning is this the meaning of my life or is this the meaning i want to give to my life i think you know some people might be very fulfilled by such career but for me it was not the case uh i had this big question about love pain awakening consciousness god the mystery the creator whatever word we want to use for it and it felt like the direction I was going was not going to give me any answer. And also it felt like it was not really answering to the big question, which was how to be really happy in this life. Mm-hmm. I was bringing all those elements, right? My, you know, my PhD, my career, my successes, mm-hmm. but that was this missing piece that was 
becoming bigger and bigger, which was, what is this life really about? Is this really answering my big question? Am I going to be happy when I turn 70 or 80 years old? And I could see, you know, I guess I had a feeling that I might one day look back and feel, oh, maybe I missed exactly what this life was about. I answered those questions and I could see uh, some kind of life crisis or end of life crisis looking back and was like, oh, was it it? Was this just about working and making money and retiring and just enjoying the pleasure of material life or is there something deeper? And I guess that was always there for me. When I was very little, I was always being, you know, the one looking for God, looking for those big questions. I was not raised that way. I was in a family that was not really in any religion or spiritual practices, but I was always a child that was seeking. Mm -hmm. And I tried to escape it, I guess, for a long time. And then he caught on me and I went on this journey. Uh, I guess that was my whole life journey, but I guess I shifted the, the direction of my life at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you're talking about this sort of gnawing question of like, is this all there is to life? And is this happiness? If this is all, is this happiness? Where obviously you weren't finding those answers when you were in corporate uh, and, and that sort of thing. So where did you start to find or discover the answer to, to that question? Well, I don't know if I discover the answer to it, but I'm if feeling I'm asking the question in the right places, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, I guess, at a moment of this very big struggle in my life, more like existential crisis, where I decided to turn towards uh, ancient wisdom. So to go and seek uh, teachers that were still practicing a different way of life, embodying a different way of life. And, you know, I went to the jungle of Peru. I went to the Sacred Valley. I went to meet Native American teachers on reservation in the U.S. I went to Asia. I went to Europe. I really went to different type of teachers and seekers. And I started to see some commonality in terms of the way life was or could be in terms of the way they were asking the question in ways of practicing spirituality that is not something I've ever seen before. And I really, when I started to sit with them and learn from them and practice with them, add those moments, those flashbacks into different visions of myself into something that was very foreign to me, by the way. It was not really who I thought I was. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was a lot of shedding and a lot of fear to embrace that path, but I could just feel my heart opening. I could feel my mind being really puzzled by it, right? Being very challenged by it. It was not like easy, oh, okay, my heart is opening. This is wonderful. There was a lot of unlearning and there's still a lot of unlearning. That's pretty much what this path is about. And there was also the 
the realization that a lot of people in the world are not that happy or mm -hmm. healthy, like mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, right? We, we talk a lot about physical health, especially in this country. And, you know, we spend a lot of time on a treadmill or at the gym, but what about the emotional health? What about the mental health? And, you know, 20 years down the line, after I started this past uh, numbers, statistics, even worse than they were when I started, there's more people suffering of addiction, of really pain mm -hmm. and isolation. And there's a lot of suicide and there's a lot of big mental health crisis that was even amplified during COVID. And it seems to me that, yeah, the Western world doesn't have all the tools that are that can answer those big questions. And I think that's why more and more people are turning towards a different type of wisdom, different type of knowledge. Mm -hmm. What my teacher called a second education. You say, well, you got your first education. That was your PhD and all of that. So now you need to get a second education. Yeah. So I think we are in the business of second education. That's what spirituality is about, right? Different type of school, different type of knowledge. So true. And um, I was just recently in the jungle of Columbia and, and this particular shaman said, this is the university of the jungle. This is where you learn here. And um, after, after coming out of those experiences, my thought was, I wish I would have done this before I had kids. <laughs> right. So, so the never too late, never too late, <laughs> never too late. And imagine how cool it would have been if I had all of this knowledge and experience before having them. And then I thought, how cool would it be now that I have this? I have a couple of really small kids, but to start working in this second, uh, the second education, which is learned when, when you're in the astrals, when you're in the actual spaces in which it's normal <laughs> to bring that into this life, uh, in, in the Western world, right. Where like my kids have no idea of how other people live and how this is actually kind of like their first education, not, not their second oh. education. Um, and you have the sanctuary. I'm curious what you do there that is maybe different than mainstream that is different than how most people live. Yeah. I mean, I first want to bounce back on what you were saying. What's not normal or what's normal, right? Very often we, I guess the shamanic practices of that type of life is still as unorthodox, uh, not normal. But in fact, I like to see it the other way. I think, you know, is this normal to live the way we live in the modern life if it creates so much pain? Yeah. So much separation, uh, so much anxiety, so much fear, uh, the consumption of Western antidepressants and medicine has never been that high. Mm -hmm. And yet people have never been this unhappy. I mean, that's not me saying it. This is science. This is research, right? Mm -hmm. So we live in a country that has pretty much everything. It's a wealthy country. And yet 40% uh, of children under five don't eat enough food every day in this country. That is America. So if we just take a kind of eagle view on the system, we can say this is not normal. Mm -hmm. If we say this is normal, I, I guess that's, that's a big problem. But when we look at more traditional culture, 
people that live differently. And this is not about going back to caveman or going back to living in the forest. It's just a different way of relating. It's a different way of looking at ourselves and have an integrated way of looking at our health, right? Mind, body, spirit. Those people are way more healthy. Mm-hmm. Their way of life is more normal. There is very, very rarely, if not even never, things like depression or anxiety. In fact, many of the terms that we have for our modern disease don't even uh, exist in most native language because yeah. this is something that, that is just not there. So I think what's really important is to say, okay, how do we want to live together? What kind of life do I want to live? And we can all answer differently, right? I'm not saying this is the way. I'm just saying that for me, when I look at it, the definition of normality needs to include community, needs to include wellness, needs to include joy and happiness, like in the depth of the being, needs to include purpose, intentional life for everyone, not just for some. So that's what I found there. And that's what we are trying to bring at the sanctuary and online because we do most of our work online in our classes and trainings and events Mm -hmm. to try to bring those pieces of wisdom to try to open the heart, break the mind down a little bit and invite people to make a personal choice that might be different, a personal change. Well, we can't change nobody. We can just invite people and say, hey, in fact, you are way more powerful than what you think. In fact, there is tools out there where you can really reclaim your power, reclaim your health, reclaim this sense of agency, reclaim being part of something that is quite magical and powerful. Mm-hmm. Your birthright, by the way. You're not that thing that is not in control, not in power, that really have very little to offer. In fact, you have everything to offer to this world. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's a process, right? Because it's not just, it's not a t- traditional teaching, like you go to university or you read a book. In fact, and then Cosmovision, that medicine well from the Andes is an oral tradition. There's not really books about it. And the reason is that you need to be immersed with elders, with community to really understand it. The other reason is that none of those teachings are new mind knowledge. It's heart knowledge, meaning it has to be embodied. It's a way of life. It's it's a different way to relate to each other. And I think that's the most difficult for people seeking that today coming to see us, right? Coming to meet me or coming to our shamanic school, you can learn beautiful tools, but if you don't fundamentally change the way you talk to yourself, the way you relate to each other, the way you eat, the way you live your life, then you are going to keep creating suffering. It doesn't matter how knowledgeable you are about this type of new wisdom or old wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's that that ancient wisdom that can, like you said, it's when you're immersed with uh, elders. It, it's also experiential where I really saw a turning point for me was I could study it. I could learn it. I could comprehend it and retain it and even regurgitate it. And when I 
actually could hold for a short amount of times these states of enlightenment. Uh, I'm still, you know, I can't maintain that, but I can get there for a moment. And then I come back and I realize, oh, there's a difference between the study and being able to remember it and then regurgitate it and then the being it even for a short amount of time, right? Even for a short amount of time. And that is where I feel like that that ancient knowledge can be more um, experiential, right? Like grasp versus reading in, in the textbook. Yeah, I mean, the you know, the, the most important thing is that it's not going there to do a ceremony or a ritual or learn something new. It's starting to look at your whole life as the ceremony. The only ceremony you need to attend is your own life. This is very anchored in, in normal life, right? Going to school and paying your taxes and shopping and eating. And, you know, this is your ceremony. And you have to look at that as the place that you need to make the changes and what's aligned, what's not. What creates suffering, separation, what creates connection and make the changes there. I think it's very easy, I guess, in some ways to just go somewhere, right? And go through those practices and have an extraordinary experience, but then come back and really not making the necessary change. I think yeah. it might even create more suffering, right? Because you're going to see even more what's misaligned in your life. But really the goal is to live a good life in this world, in this moment, now, here in New York or wherever you are. It's not to go in a cave or to disappear in the forest and to live that way of life. I think there's a lot of misconception. Mm -hmm. and, but then, yes, when you're back and you look at life as it is, maybe in this moment, you see more clearly what needs to be addressed, right? What is creating pain and suffering for yourself, for your family, for your whole community, for the world? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what I'm really hearing here is the importance of integration, right? The difference between having one mind-blowing experience to actually coming home and how do I be that which I know I'm capable of being after the experience. So, so integration um, is huge. And you even talked about the, the way in which you eat and the way you take care of your body and the way that you are with each individual person. Uh, do you have particular tips on how to integrate uh, a, a new way of being? You're listening to The Sanctuary Podcast with Angel Deer. While you're listening, browse the website at www.thesanctuaryheal.com. Ooh. I don't know. I should maybe it's a whole book here. I don't know. If we have time. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> no, I guess it's making choice that are more conscious, that have more intention in it. And what I mean by that, you know, I don't really like the term of awakening because I think it's like this overused word. I think this work is about consciousness. So being aware of, being conscious of. So there is certain product that I buy that I know are going to potentially poison my body. There's certain products that I buy that I know potentially is, are creating suffering for the workers 
that made that product or even harvested it. Mm-hmm. Do I want, that's a question, to participate in that? Do I have another choice? What is it going to require for me to make another choice? But once you start seeing that, you cannot not be aware. It doesn't mean you always make the change, right? Sometimes the change are difficult. Sometimes you might even have the resources to do it. Sometimes there's not even an option to make a different choice. I'm thinking, I don't know, like your cell phone, right? We, we know they are pretty bad the way they are made and how they're made and the resources they are using, but why you could say, okay, I don't want to use a cell phone because this is bad, but here I am on a computer that's right. So sometimes there's not always a choice, but I think it's important to be aware of it, to understand that there is consequences to the way we live our lives and then to take steps into the direction we want to be one day, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not immediately. So I think what's really important in terms of the best steps for me is to be very compassionate and kind with ourselves. Because if not, you can be in that very intense mind space of seeing everything negative. Everything has to be changed, right? Yeah. By the way, there might be some truth there. <laughs> but we also need to live a good life to, I think, experience joy and happiness in our life, to have pleasure and play, because I think the greatest change that are required in our world are going to ask us to have a really healthy body, meaning mind, meaning um, nervous system. And if we are constantly stressed or focusing too intensely at somehow changing something that's wrong with us and others, that's a death sentence. You know, we're going to be depressed. We're going to really collapse. So how do we do that to be that conscious and keep a light heart? Mm-hmm. How to see the brokenness of the world and still not be completely taken down by it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's a difficult daily dance, but that's really a dance, right? Where mm-hmm. we have to partner with the world and we have to do the work, but also find joy. So that's what I try to do in my life. Do I always do that? No. Do I sometimes fuck it up beautifully? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. But I'm aware of it, right? I'm interested about the process of change. I'm interested about the process of consciousness, transforming our awareness of the world and each other. And most importantly, I'm interested about this very weird species that we are as human beings that has this free will and free choice and we can be the most loving or the most destroying animal that there is on the planet. This one animal is capable of so much beauty and so much horror. And I think we need to be aware of that about ourselves, right? Because then we realize, okay, what kind of life do I want to live? Mm-hmm. By the way, I don't know if anything I do is going to change anything in the end. But right. because I'm not doing it to change the world, by the way. I'm not doing it because I'm going to save the planet or save humanity. I think a lot of people in that work sometimes have those big ideas. I think we're like an ant. We're insignificant. I'm doing it because that's the way I want to live my life. Because mm-hmm. I think there's much beauty in living that way. And I think mm-hmm. that is enough, right? Because I think that's the most important 
And if it makes a difference, if it's a side effect of it, amazing. Yeah. But not bring my ego and thinking that somehow, you know, this is the way or the only way. I think it's really important to stay very much down to earth uh, in terms of the way we practice and live that life. At least that's the way my elders and my teachers are living. You know, they, they're not here to somehow transcend their humanity or change the way people are. They are here to be good human beings. And I think that's the most important. Yeah. And so much of what I'm hearing in in what you're saying here is similar to some of my experience with um, consciousness expansion, which is a paradoxal experience where there is light and shadow, right? Where there is the beauty of humanity and the horror. And in my most expanded self, I see how I am both, right? That I am both, not that sometimes I can be this and sometimes I can be that, that if I can see it, I am it. Right. And that free will, free choice, like you were talking about that each individual conscious decision is what sets us on what path we decide to be today. Are we that in the beauty or are we that in the horror today? Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're very right. I think holding the opposites in, in, in one hand and on the other hand, at the same time, in the same moment. I think is the path. It's the middle way. It's what's called the red road. Mm-hmm. It's that path that is neither this or that. So can I hold that I am this body and I am this manifestation and that in fact, also I am not, I'm something much bigger, mm-hmm. but not holding one or the other too tightly. Can I hold both at the same time? Can I hold the fact that I know and I don't know anything? In the same breath, can I hold, the, like you said, the pain of the world and the things that are really heavy and the beauty of it in one breath, in just one instant, both of it together? And how do we find our center in that? How do we don't go crazy by holding two things that are very opposite? The mind can't grasp, by the way. The mind cannot do that. We have to be in our heart to mm. do that. Yeah. And I love my enemy, like the Christ said, right? How do I do that? Something that's creating so much pain to me. Can I still bring love in it? Mm-hmm. And I still have discernment and boundaries and still stay deeply connected and committed to the other person? Well-being. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the challenge and that's the beauty of it too. Yeah. Yeah. And totally goes back to that question. Like what would be the first step? Well, actually I've heard you say two now. So the, the, the slowing down and and really being in that conscious choice, that conscious, even, even the step of, Oh, I have a choice here is sometimes the next step from just unconsciously going through life. And then because this paradox of, of human life or a spiritual being having a human experience uh, is can we drop from the mind in into the heart is what I heard you say is the the ego the mind can't hold both but the heart can yeah can we hold those different reality at once I mean the the core of shamanism the core of those practices either they are plant medicine or shamanic journeying or others is to explore different reality 
but not for the sake of that one reality, but for bringing the different perspective into one stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's not about the underworld. I mean, we are very much in that direction at the moment because we've been spending thousands of years going up and <laughs> trying to reach the sky. And now everything is about shadow work and depths and darkness and rooting. And that's great, but I think it's neither one or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the states of transcendence that we can have through literally just breath work. Uh, mm-hmm. We can have it through plant medicine. We can have it through drumming. They are showing us this reality from another perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think the the work of the medicine person or the shaman is to bring wisdom back from those realities to inform this one mm-hmm. from different perspective, right? But all together, it's like not just escaping or not saying, well, this is better because I can connect to my ancestors or I can connect to the heart of the earth. No, it's like, can I bring all of that together in a unified vision for my life, for mm-hmm. each other? What does each voice brings to the conversation? Mm-hmm. And it's very much, if you think of it, it's very much what we are really failing at doing as a country or a community, right? To include all the voices thinking that everyone bring wisdom, everyone has a perspective that is unique. And very often it's like, no, 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 we know better, right? Maybe because of politics or because of this or religion or that. It's very easy to kind of separate. But in fact, shamanism, like the voice of the forest, it's like, how do we include all of those beings because mm-hmm. nature is telling us that when everything is included, everything can be in balance. That that's the most resilient system. That, in fact, that's the wisest system. Mm-hmm. Right? So how do I do that with those practices and not fall into or not yeah fall into the pitfall of okay this is about that this is about transcendence or this is about awakening. Mm-hmm. It, it is about that, but it's about all of it. It's about humanity. Yeah. Presence, right? So that's the place I think only the heart can really navigate. Mm -hmm. It needs to open wider and wider and wider until the minds give up (laughs) to try to figure it out and just allow all of it to to be alive, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is really such a a powerful conversation. Uh, And I would love to give you a moment before we wrap up to share with the audience how you serve your community, how they can find you and what your complimentary gift is. Yes, they can come on our website. Um, I guess you'll be sharing the link uh, uh, under here, right? Uh, On my Instagram. I have a a shamanic school where we teach people or try to help people to remember that type of wisdom so they can connect to a lot of the teachings are free that we share online. Uh, Some of them are, you know, with exchange. We do weekly shamanic breath work. We do a lot of different type of offering online or in person so people can really uh, enter that space or maybe come with a big question 
And I have their perspective so shifted that this question become irrelevant, but they have a much bigger question. That's always what I tell people. We're not giving answers. We're giving you a different question. Maybe that open the mind, right? That open the heart. So we do retreats in person, online and abroad in Peru. So yeah, people can check out all the things we are doing. And the gift is um, my morning practice. So years ago, I, people were asking me, okay, what do you do uh, in the morning when you wake up? And so I wrote a little ebook about my morning practice. I wrote that a few years ago. It has probably changed quite a bit since then, but I think there's a lot of really good tips in it. Uh, and I know by experience that if you do that for 30 days, something big is going to shift. If you commit to that type of morning practice. So it's an invitation to change maybe your perspective about what's troubling you or someone else or what you see in the mirror in the morning and maybe have have some support in your own process of inquiry and transformation. I love that. I love that. So Angel's free gift and his website will be below. Uh, I love the the sound of your morning routine. I think a morning routine is so, so powerful. So I'm going to check that out as well. See if there's something I can add to my repertoire. And for our, thank you so much, Angel, for being here. Thank we, you. Yeah, we're so excited to be having this conversation. And for everyone that joined us today, thank you so much. And we will see you next time on Awakening. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Sanctuary Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, we're a source of talks about spirituality, personal transformation, energy healing, shamanism, and earth-based practices. For more, visit thesanctuaryheal.com. On the website, you can find out about our events, our retreats, healing offering, our spiritual blog, And you can also register for the newsletter. Again, visit thesanctuaryheal.com. Till next time, this is The Sanctuary Podcast and Angel Deer signing off.